0: Hi, folks. I don't know if this is coming through or not. It looks a little blank on the screen. Uh, thanks for joining in. These are just, uh, I just wanted to have a little bit of a chat. Um, there are a few comments on my blog, and it sort of brought some things to mind that I think would be useful to talk about as we uh, move into more people talking about politics in the uh, health freedom movement, such as it is. Um, yeah and so i just i want to explore some ideas and uh so i you know clearly I've, i think i've been putting myself in the little bit of the uh you know I've stood up in, in in sort of laying out my my perspective on my concerns around the RFK Jr. candidacy. Uh, there are a number of people out there who take quite offense, you know, at that position. And you know, I'm just reflecting on this idea of unity because that was something that was brought up um, against me, like early in the process, right, of of these lockdowns. And like she's in, she's not being unified. We need to have this unified position. You know, wh- how is she to go out and have this other perspective? When we're under threat and we need this unity space, um, and so I've always been a pretty three. Re-thinker. you know, I'm not out here just to, you know, rattle chains and just because I'm a narcissist or I wanna, you know, whatever. I, Cause I'm interested in a lot of different ideas. And actually I've spent a lot more, I've spent a lot of time accessing a lot of information that gives me a different viewpoint or maybe a more nuanced uh, view into a lot of the issues that are out there. So um, first I just like to start off with, the, with this idea, just to consider it, um, that in the political space, I think a lot of us realize that it's, it's somewhat we're disenchanted with the political process. I think once you look back and you see how far back it goes, these handoffs from power, from party to party, and knowing that the polarization is part of this Hegelian dialectic towards the synthesis, um, we might question, right, what what the, the nature of participating in the political project is. Now, I'm not saying not to participate because on the other hand, I know that they really don't want you to participate and they'd really like to have the world run by Unicomp, the Web3 supercomputer, right? So there's not really a good, easy answer about participation or non-participation or having a healthy skepticism and like where you land and all of those things. And I would just offer to people that, um, especially a movement that initially positioned itself as about um, personal agency and uh, critical thinking uh, and sort of uh, looking at things from um, like a point of view of, of facts and information, that the presumption that someone can come up to you and tell you who you should be voting for because X, Y, Z reasons, right? One presumes that they understand where you are and you're understanding the political process at large, right? Um, and and that's kind of a presumption, a bit presumptuous to make that that assertion that, that everyone is necessarily bought into the system as it is. And again, I'm not coming down hard, yay or nay on that because I think that there are positives and negatives on both sides, but it's complicated, right? And so when, if you're inclined to get into someone's face or into their email or into their comment section and say, you have to because, I think that's a problem, right? And, and I'm not, that's not to say that we can't talk politics, but I would say it's, in my opinion, it would be far more preferable uh, if you have a candidate, uh, whoever that candidate is that you think is someone that, that upholds your um, position and would be get your vote, Then frame it that way. Frame it as, these are the values that are important to me, and therefore these are the activities said candidate has taken with respect to the things I most value, and therefore this is why this person is getting my vote, right? And I can respect that because at this point, yeah, we all have different points of view, and then you're not imposing it on someone else. But sort of the the hopping in and the finger wagging and saying you have to, I think is, is entirely at odds with what we started out <laughs> supposedly doing, right? And this idea of the groupthink and sacrificing your values. Um, and. You know, the other thing that I, I want to point out is this idea of the Hegelian dialectic. Again, we know both political parties are involved in passing the baton for this larger agenda. It's probably been going on for 200 years. It's questionable. This idea, we're going to vote it out. Um, if if these elections can suck up all the oxygen in the room. So mostly you're just on the team that you've chosen and you're, fight, you're duking it out to win at the game then you don't have a lot of bandwidth left for the other stuff, which actually might be more important in looking at the landscape. Um, so I just, I wanna put that out there because I think in many respects, if you understand the Hegelian dialectic, like problem, reaction, solution, um, you know, thesis, synthesis, synthesis, that if you can actually categorize the um, people, all the people across many, you know, Many geographies, many backgrounds, who had issues with what had happened over the, those three years, uh, precipitated by the lockdowns, but then continuing. Um, that if you can put them all in one group, uh, you you're much easier to manage them, right? I mean, you if if the goal of social media is to try to drive people towards a convergence, um, so you've got people who you those you know people in the quote unquote movement might identify as like the asleep or the mainstream or whatever. Okay, so you you put those in one basket, then you've gotta go around and corral all the other people and then get them into the other basket so that you can play them off against each other. And so you they, it advantages the system that is trying to advance the goal to homogenize the movement. Um, and I think that that's important to think about. Um, the homogenization, the group think, the unity or else framing actually serves to advance the program because we always know that they're going to try to thread the needle and bring it back together uh, down the road. Like They use the polarization and then they're going to bring it together into the Web3 space. And so if, if we just say, okay, yeah, we should all totally be you know homogenous and we should all think the right way, we should all do the right group think, then weirdly the quote unquote resistance has become the thing that it was most opposed to in the beginning, which in my mind, if this were gamed out as a simulation in game theory, um, that probably was the ultimate goal, right? So it's one thing to uh, be out casting rocks at other people and just digging up dirt to either build your brand or to be difficult or to be contrarian with no other reason. And, you know, like people can choose to do that. (laughs) I'm not saying you, you can't choose to do that. It's another thing to have sort of a principled other position right that's supportable with 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 thoughtful Discussion, right, and presented with facts, and so I just I want to sort of lay this out because there's a lot of stuff coming about unity, and um, so I got this email, and I'm I'm not going to read the whole thing out because it's an email, and so I don't want to like compromise, um, you know, this person's privacy. I have a couple other comments that I want to share that were made on my public spaces, and that you feel fine sharing out to have some broader discussion, um, but essentially this email that came to me a day or so ago was from someone I, I haven't heard from in years. Um, uh, in the fall of 2020, I went and presented, you know, um, again, I stayed with people and, you know, they fed me, which was nice, but I drove up there, my own gas money, I didn't charge for this, right, to tell them about pay for success finance, right? And at the time, it was one of my more prominent talks. And at the time, again, uh, fall of 2020, there there were a lot of people who w- didn't know about pay for success, didn't know a lot of what I was saying was pretty new. Um, and it got a very good reception, right? And and I met people and they were very nice. and I was very, very glad to know them. Um, and for a while, I was part of these email groups uh, with this particular group. Uh, but it was clear after time that that we were in a different story. Like th- th- what I was bringing to the fore, as far as my concern about the cause, was was not, um, I won't say it wasn't in alignment, but it had a different focus than people who were strictly focused on the health freedom narrative. Um, and so I eventually asked to sort of get unentangled from, you know, the 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 Gmail list, but I didn't go and like hit back at everybody all the time to say, you have to listen to me. I just knew that they weren't, we weren't going to the same space, right? And so what I'm realizing in retrospect is, I feel like this candidacy of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. probably like it didn't just come out of nowhere. And so that there was this grooming that was in place for a long time about people who are supposed to think a certain way about the cause as it was understood by the appointed leaders of the group. And I was always the black sheep in that because I, I have very firm convictions about how I understand what's happening. And while health freedom was uh, the catalyst aspect, it's it's far from the only one. Um, and so this person reached out. Again, we haven't been in touch um, in years, pretty much since that point, to express their profound disappointment in me for quote-unquote attacking Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Now, um, I I... I the title of my analysis was a critique. I think if you're gonna be a presidential candidate, you should be able to be handle a critique, right? From a mom at a kitchen table, right? From, uh, from a quilter, I've been taking a break from some of this BS, I'm working on a quilt for Lynn, so maybe you can see triangles, these are my triangles. So yeah, so yeah, Mr. Uh, Camelot should be able to take a critique from uh, from somebody like me, who who is a, a voter, who is who has some concerns, right, uh, that are outside the normal acceptable concerns of the resistance, um, and and sort of you know then it went into sort of an emotional heartstrings. I know him, I know his story, so many sacrifices, and I think this is playing into the archetypal mythos, which again is very suited to this particular time. Like they know that this is about these archetypal ideas, and then in the end, this person, you know, th- th- they were this is a courageous person, total respect. And then the closer is look within. I'm just going to quote this because this was directed at me. Look within. You are just jealous of people who have more fame than you do. I regret we listened to you or opened our hearts and minds to you. All right. So Again, I'm not sure what the thought there was that the person was going to bring me over to their side, um, but clearly she felt compelled to like defend her candidate in the space. Um, and then closing again, it is, is that oh, we we shouldn't have listened to you, right? Um, and essentially setting aside the fact that I had come to present new and important material that was never integrated into any of their analysis. Actually, they didn't open up their hearts to me because their hearts were already given over to this person who would be the candidate three years later, right? And so anything that was conveniently, like, did, did, incongruous with that wasn't going to happen, right? Um, and so then my reply was, I said, D- did you want to offer any counters to my factual assessment? Because my assessment was based on facts. Um, and because what, what was offered was simply uh, an emotional character, characterization and uh, sort of a personal attack and projecting onto me something that they thought would hurt me. And I said, do you have a counter to what I said? And they're like, oh, you know, when I have more time, I'll get around to it. And but but then it's so it was talking about being part of a movement and seeing all the wonderful people contribute in their own way. And you used to be one of those people, but not anymore. Right. And I don't understand why you're attacking people. So it's interesting. Again, the framing of the unity is that we love in our movement to have so many people contribute, but you have to contribute within the confines of our petri dish, or we don't value your contribution and we identify you as a threat, right? And so it's all warm and cozy, but not really, right? Like we love uh, diversity and uh, wonderful people, but you're not a wonderful person anymore because you've asked questions that we don't want actually to have asked. Um, and so, and you know what, at the time I, I said, I said, you know, honestly, if I'd know now what I, if I'd know now, if, if back then, when I agreed to come up and present to this group, if I had known what I know now, I wouldn't have come because my goal isn't to come and impose my viewpoint on people who don't want to hear it, right? Because I realize that people are all in their own different lanes. And in retrospect, many of the audiences I spoke to, um, you know, with, with a handful of exceptions, including in, 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 you know, the exception being like my friend Drew in Tucson, uh, who has been really solid on all of this. But many of the interviews I gave, many of the places I went to talk, I wouldn't have done it. Because I, I realized at the end, it was simply a long on-ramp to this thing where we are now, which is a unity groupthink think. Health freedom resistance. Like, and, and, um, you know, I mentioned in my title about the slime mold, and I'm going to get around to talking about that in a minute. But it's this idea of we're under threat. All the slime molds come together and make the stock for self sacrifice for the candidate because this is the best one and there's not going to be a better one. And we're all under attack and in danger. So do the thing that we tell you, right? Which is exactly, honestly, what happened under the lockdowns. Like, they're using exactly the same techniques that were used on the mass populace at the beginning to get everyone to comply. And yet for the most part, I think these people could never imagine that they're literally using the same psychological and social pre- pressure tactics that were used previously. And, and so I'm doing this video now, again, not to make people, um, you know, say these are bad people, but I think a lot of this is just happening without a lot of thought. It's happening from an emotional place that, that people are pushing buttons and levers about uh, uh, like fear and belonging and the, we're advancing forward, right? But but what I'm saying is if we can pause, we can step back and see that actually maybe the techniques that we're, we're using are not optimal. So yeah, I said, actually, if I had it to do over again, I wouldn't have come, <laughs> you know, but because I didn't know where you, who you were really. I didn't, like we we walk into relationships and, and uh, w- with hopeful intentions, and then over time we see how people are and we realize we're in totally different stories. And so, okay, I, you know, I wouldn't have done it had I known, but it's all a learning process. So we learn from each other, right? But my what I was offering into the, the discussion those couple of years ago was uh, not consistent with what have become the mainstream narratives of the health freedom movement. Uh, there's only certain things that are, get airtime in that. And, and that isn't gonna be web three. Sure, you can talk about central bank digital currency. Can't really talk about uh, the tokenized commons. Not so much, yeah. And they'll say, oh, that's just too hard. We don't understand that. Well, let's talk about this, right? That's on purpose, right? Uh, we're not gonna be able to talk about wellness as an impact finance base because we're too busy talking or too busy selling our all, all our, our alternative wellness treatment drugs, right? We, we don't wanna think about the time when single payer comes and is glommed on to all of that and we live in the outside and robot and it's all in the name of wellness. No, nope. we're positioning this as being about a certain limited set of uh, storylines and Allison, you're outside the storyline so you're no longer the, the wonderful person in the community. Your diversity is the beyond, right? Which is fine. I mean, some people—I don't know—somebody was calling me a narcissist. I'm like, I have a channel. I've gotten, I've gotten off of these most of these other social media things, but I'm still allowed to have a voice. Um, so then the person does come back, and um, and I said, you know, maybe actually have you thought about that—the fact that we may not understand the cause in the same way. Like your understanding of the cause may not actually be the same as my understanding of the cause, and we should cut some people some slack about that, right? Because our we should realize that we're not all on the same page. We don't all have the same values. We're not all like a mirror mold, right? There's not one uh, you know, mold of a quote unquote person who was dissatisfied with what happened during the lockdown and they all look like this. Because if you actually, if we were to go with that vibe and we were to walk down that road, that would make us incredibly steerable. That would make us ants. That would literally make us the ant computer. So think about that. Like think about that when you're you're out there and you're sort of asserting your uh, preferred candidate that that you have to is this idea that we all start to become less complex and less individual and more part of a movement, which again I'm sort of equating to a slime mold. Um, so again, she finally did. I mean, I will give I give her that respect. Uh, she, you know she. She responded, uh, for the most part, the entry point was about political parties and the Democrats and the Republicans, which if you listen to me, I never talk about that. So you have to wonder if someone is leading with that as their focus, um, did they really hear me? Like, do they really hear how I talk about this stuff? Because I don't talk about party politics because I know it's all about like polarized ideology. Um, and then and then, you know, acknowledging issues with the Catholic church, but not, some of the bigger stuff, Lynn and I just recorded a great talk yesterday where we're going to talk about EdTech in the Vatican, right? It's not just a little thing or it's not just a little esoteric, like, oh, you know, the Jesuits. No, there's very specific things that are coming that are linked to digital identity and uh, wellness and EdTech and mind control programs and things that are, again, not just at the Vatican. I, I talk about many other institutions of faith that are being integrated into the impact finance space. Um, But and I guess her her two particular points that she said she disagreed, she disagreed that any of this would end up in a transpartisan sort of framing. Um, So we'll see, right? I'm making a conjecture there. I'm thinking that uh, I I doubt that he as a candidate can win the Democratic nomination, but I could see him making sort of a populist run with with maybe another strong uh, cross-party candidate like DeSantis. But we'll see, right? We don't know. We don't know. We'll just have to like put it out there, put on the back burner, see how things go. But definitely the healing narrative is the bridge building. Like, so we'll see how these bridges are being built. And again, not that I want division per se, but it's why are the bridges being built? Is it towards the omega point? Is it towards the synthesis? Um, and then and then this person disagreed and said she didn't think he was a corporate environmentalist. Um, and, and so I would just say, you know, the, the issue with the climate n- narrative is gonna be a challenging one for the Kennedy campaign. And uh, and they're like, oh no, he's changed his mind. He's changed his mind. But this is a tweet from January 15th of 2023 um, with 80,000 views that's really doubling down on st- cl- the establishment climate science, right? Um, so if you're not a corporate environmentalist, now, now he's framing it as Exxon knew about the climate science and tried to suppress it, right? Um, So I would say if he knew that Exxon knew, then he would understand that the entire climate science industry was built by Exxon for a purpose. And was it built for them for the purpose of later obscuring it? Because they're like, oh my, we found out that what we're doing to the environment is a problem. Or was it always moving along the role of of energy, like controlled energy systems on electrical circuits, which is what he sells, and moving us towards uh, a networked, uh, for free market, right, the, the good, good capitalism, not like the crony capitalism, a free market energy, uh, energy grid, uh, where we're literally controlled through cybernetics. Right, and and if you look, actually, the big oil companies are all into that space as well. So they're going to have to figure out how he's going to talk about the climate stuff. And so I, I would say he's always been a corporate environmentalist. Um, you don't, but but we can agree to disagree on that point. Um, I think if you're one of your major donors to your organization that you you worked at for 20 years is the Rockefeller Foundation. Um, you know, and a lot of other impact philanthropies. Yeah, you're probably you know if you're cozy with Tom Steyer, who's who's in there to you know like move the climate needle for you know all of the carbon stuff towards that. I, I think yeah, I think I mean th- there's not a counter proposal other than saying looking at the facts, I don't see him that way. And you can't really argue with someone if that, that they want to live in the story that he's not a corporate environmentalist and that he really did mean well to like bottle up a bunch of water and plastic bottles to save the water and and that's the story that you think is consistent. <laughs> Okay, like who, who made the plastic bottles? I think that would be the petrochemical industry, right? But okay, so there's some cognitive dissonance. And, um, and then the other stuff, so she lines up, here's all of these influencers who are behind him. How could you possibly be against him when we've lined up this whole stable of people behind him? And again, I would say, you know, look at, look at the clicks, right? Look at who's been all, at all the great resets. Look at all these things, like there are clicks. There are movements building, this didn't come out of nowhere. I think there's been a very long on-ramp and these people have been lined up to say, well, how can you, Alison McDowell, quilting mom at the kitchen table, disagree with all of the leading minds in the resistance space? Are you saying you know better? And I'm like, eh, I'm not saying I know better, I'm saying I'm living in a different story because I have a different set of information that I'm looking at. Um, yeah, so, you know, and then it was like, "Oh, he knows about central bank digital currency, so he knows about that, right? And and you know, essentially like my reply was, um, I said, I'm glad that you feel like you found the right candidate. Uh, feel free to direct him to my material once he's ready to come to terms with Web3, Impact Finance and the Omega Point, right? because a homogenized quote-unquote resistance movement is the Omega point it is driving us if you're what you're asking is for people to set aside how they understand the world and their principled like in it optimally people should actually have points of view that are informed by their own thinking and their own research uh, but if what you're saying is to set all of that aside for something that you have to do because there is a, a danger I, I I would just ask you to stop and reflect, where have you heard that narrative before? Where have you heard uh, that narrative before? Um, And so, okay, so I'm moving on. Yes, and and here we have another recent comment. I guess Derek Bros. he must have another account. I thought I'd removed him off my account, but uh, this is the clip about RFK Jr. recently from that Hillsdale College saying that, well, you know, I'm not actually anti-vaccine. I'm just, you know, someone asked me about this, how I got in this racket, and you know, I'm not actually anti-vaccine. And you know, I just put that there because that this is important information for people to understand. I think a lot of people like it, passing. Maybe they kind of understand it, but. Like, I, I want there to be some cognitive dissonance about this, right? And and so, you know, they're like, yes, uh, Derek Bros is saying, he's not perfect, but he's always said the statement. These aren't revelations. Allison just loves attacking people. So again, this emailed person, uh, you know, how are you attacking him? Yeah, Allison just attacks people. Keep calling her out for attacking. I posted a clip of the gentleman's own words, and I included the link to the original source if people were like, that's out of context. No, you can listen to it. I think that juxtaposed against each other, this statement along with Liz Mumper's position around, you know, being very interested in the idea of personalized medicine and personalized V's and this, you know, linking genomics with that and like one size fits all shouldn't be the main thing. I I think that that's um, those are really good contrasts. Those are original source materials. So if, if you know. Derek is in RFK Jr. stable, right? They they been on each other's shows. They you know they sponsor each other's events. So so just pay attention to how this is playing out because this is being setting up um, very much on purpose. So here is another comment. So this is what I was trying to say about like what are you listening to? Um, you know what? And before I get into that, I'm just gonna say so so this was a comment um, that was left. And I think actually later deleted, but I have it like, you know, I get the comments to my inbox. And um, and it was about my unpacking this video by this Mr. Dennis Humble, who was a futures trader in Bitcoin, uh, who represents himself with the secret seal of Solomon sigil, you know, and um, and I had, you know. On a previous video, screenshot something where someone was saying about me that I the dark forces must be using me to channel to achieve their shenanigans, right? Uh, that I was some vessel for dark forces. Um, and so this person, and and what I'm saying here too. So this is this is why I want to introduce this idea. I think that in some ways, social media is like a spell casting platform. I think there are energetics to it. I think those energetics are gonna be even more intense once we get blockchain media. Um, I think it's for cybernetic steering, but I, I wouldn't I also think that there may be some spiritual, darker spiritual aspect to it that runs on noise and outrage and conflict in this space um, and that feeds off of it. I think in some ways it's parasitic. Okay. And and I think in that way we need to understand that when people are commenting. Um, in these spaces, it's almost like setting an intention. So you are projecting yourself through your language and projecting a certain energy into the system, right? And and you know honestly, the finance model of these things is, you know, outrage from machine and eyeballs and clicks and the things that are negative get the most clicks and the most attention. And so these things tend to ratchet up, and then you start to live in a story that's built on that um, that outrage and you're, you're, you're triggered. You're always looking for that bad thing that's coming. Right. And so you're kind of constantly living in a story that you're under attack, or around every corner. Um, there's going to be a thing, but you're going to be the hero because you've got the weapons and you're going to go after it. And so people are habituated to that. So they, they make these snap judgments and then they project out about how they're feeling about it. And, and I would say that, how you use language in these webs because all of it's going into sentiment analysis like that's happening martin seligman at penn with the world well-being project and looking at this sentiment like it is being noticed if you don't think it's being noticed it is very much being noticed and and even not just by the algorithms and the sentiment analysis but i think energetically it matters because it matters to to the out, outer space because you're projecting it outward, but it also comes from within you. And so it's putting you in a feedback loop of a certain kind of space. And so, you know, I think if people spend the time to listen to my analysis of Mr. Humble, um, I, I will admit my first video, which was more directed at the situation of financial astrology and Jason Love and Austin, I was upset by this person who had pretended to be nice to me and then kind of backstabbed me, you know, in her own Telegram channel. Um, Yeah. And I I was sort of terse with her. I will admit that that tone, I was kind of triggered by that. But when I was listening to the talk that Mr. Humble gave, which was a pretty oblique, self-centered perspective on the world, uh, again, by an Austin based Bitcoin futures trader, um, and, and these are the types of people. I'm not saying him particular, but this type, this archetype that he was representing himself as, which feels like a character actually. Like it feels like he was almost playing a character to the machine. Um, it, it was it was pretty bleak, right? And I was trying. I, I I'm working to have compassion because I can't feel like it's a good to live in that space, right? And so when I titled it, What Are You Listening To?, this was coming out of a teaching from my friend Cliff, right? He has a wonderful video about um, what are you listening to? What is in your mind? Because what's projecting out of you, you're channeling, there is an energy that's coming into you that may not be from you. And you're, you are what, the, the the very sort of bitter things <laughs> that Mr. Humble shared, I don't necessarily believe that that was what was in his heart originally, like that that was at the core of him. And I I said that. so. I laid this description out with compassion. I'm saying, what are you listening to? We all should be thinking, what are we listening to when we engage in these platforms, when we're triggered on these platforms? And so this person, SR, says, can people just be wrong or have a different opinion from yours without, without being, quote, used by the dark side or part of some Silicon Valley insect hive mind project? I have a ton of respect for your work, by the way. I just noticed that when you disagree with someone, you tend to suggest that they've been mentally hijacked by some group or force. And so I I just wanna frame this as the disagreement. So I I felt like I was entitled to weigh in on this because his video introduced me. It was in the context of having watched my video about RFK Jr. It really wasn't about me. It was sort of, I was used as a door opening into his uh, presenting his viewpoint on the world which I did disagree with, and I, I went through in a very consistent way. I think that I didn't actually talk about him as the ant computer. That that was the Celia Farber substack. And that was, to me was very clearly people operating within the confines of an ant computer construct. Now, you can disagree with me. You can say, I don't really find that helpful. Uh, maybe it's someone because you're in these spaces and you don't wanna believe that it's an ant computer, right? It's uncomfortable to believe that it might be an ant computer. And so, um, I didn't say that he was being used by the dark side. That was said about me. So so this person was sort of already triggered and projecting, again, like a misunderstanding. Um, The dark side thing was about me. And this idea of a hive mind project, in this way, this gentleman was actually saying that the masses should be, Essentially, they can't make decisions for themselves. And so he was projecting onto them this idea almost of a hive mind or a tokenized uh, Web3 DAO cybernetic public commons, because he was identifying himself as sort of a sovereign entrepreneur that was outside of the system and that the masses fell into another category. So I would say like there is a and maybe the person thought better of it after listening to the comment. And maybe that's why later they were like, oh, yeah, no, it's actually it's really good. Right. But I'm like, there was a trigger point for this person to say, and I don't know if they wrote that merely looking at the two thumbnails for the videos and then extrapolating what they thought I might be saying before I actually said it. Because neither of those were the particulars of this video. And then if they were discomforted about the idea of the ant computer, then they could be commenting on Cliff and our discussion about Celia Farber. But again, to broadly say this stuff, like that no one, that I always am projecting this, I'm playing around with this new idea. Now, do you have to think it makes sense to you, you don't. You can just say this, ah, eh, this ant computer thing, this emergence, this complexity, uh, like it's not, I don't find it interesting. And that's fine. Then there's, like I said, there's plenty of plenty of other channels there. But I'm exploring the application of this idea because that's what curious people do. And they go, oh, does it fit or not? And maybe sometimes it won't fit and then we, we develop new theories. Um, so I just wanna point this out as we're thinking about this because I'm ta- I, It's it matters the idea of what are you, listening to, because to me, it is sort of this choose your own adventure. Um, There's a set of facts. I, I don't mean that we should live in a false reality where we're, or that we shouldn't, we should disregard what's actually happening. But within a set of facts, it's like a palette. And you can organize that palette with, from your own personal center and your own viewpoint in a way that either adds to your agency in the story or makes you the victim, right? And, and so the next comment that i'm going to talk about here essentially is someone who is framing us all as victims and as victims of an overwhelming force we don't have options right and and i would say that actually in that space mentally because once you understand how big this is this is a massive thing right this is a massive thing it's been going on for centuries right we're navigating it um and clearly i like to look at a lot of the different parts of this thing i like to look at a lot of different parts um I've grown over the three years that I was on social media and then I left it. And again, I'm grateful to Cliff for providing me more tools in my toolbox. You don't have to be super panicked about all of this stuff. We can look at it and examine it with interest. Well, isn't that interesting? Isn't that curious? How do these pieces fit together? And I'm in a much better place now that I can do that than I was the first two years. But I was panicked the first two years because I understood what it meant for children, what it meant for homeless people, what it meant, um, and nobody was getting it. So I, I would ratchet up my tone to try to get people to pay attention because I didn't understand the ant computer. Now, I'm not saying I fully understand it now, but I really didn't understand the ant computer, so I didn't understand why people couldn't hear me. Um, and now I understand it better, so I, I, I have a different perspective. But this idea of choose your own adventure, we can kind of choose how we listen to things. We can choose how we put the story together, and we can do it in a way that that gives us agency or that deprives us of our agency and and sets us up for the hero review. And And I, and I think the RFK Junior presidency is definitely the archetypal hero, the Camelot framing. So, so Ian, this is a comment on uh, the Celia Farber, the post I did about the first one, Celia Farber substack is this part of the simulation, okay? Um, so it says that, uh, it says, I'll just read it for what it says. It says, this exchange between you and Celia finally gave me the push I needed to start reading RFK Jr's book about Fauci. I just finished the intro in chapter one. I come from things very differently than you and Celia. Here is the gist. And again, Ian is titled to his opinion. Like he can make the story however he likes to make it. We are the little people. A war of technocracy and transhumanism, TNT, is being waged against us. As is with all wars, there are no rules and might is right. We, the little people, are outgunned, outresourced, and outclassed in every way possible except one our numbers. We can only win this war if we play to our only strength, which is our numbers. If we do not unite ourselves across every country of the world, then we lose this war. We unite or we die. This is where you and Celia come in. We can only win this war if we set aside our differences and learn to work together with a common vision and direction. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Hmm, Interesting, okay. Uh, We don't have to like each other, but there is only one way to get this job done this is the theme of my own simple blog posts we are supposedly freedom fighters unfortunately we are fighting our petty turf wars and each of us is clamoring for a sliver of the spotlight we are heavily fragmented and completely disorganized after three years of this fake virus fake disease fake pandemic nothing we have done has slowed the onslaught of t and t we are losing the war indeed i believe we have already lost it because we refuse to unite ourselves this is the message I take away in this exchange between you and Celia. This, it is the message I get from the so-called freedom movement. Okay. So, and again, he is in, Ian is perfectly entitled to his opinion. And it's great that he has a blog and he's he's expressing that viewpoint um, over there. And, you know, we can play out different options. Um, Now, I would say it would, for me personally as a reader, I would feel, or the, I mean, I guess it was directed at me because it was on my blog post. Um, He does say, I come from things differently, here's the gist. So he is opening with this idea that this is his perspective, but then it does sort of go into the directive. We can only win if we do this. We can only, as opposed to saying, from my vantage point, I think this, right? Because essentially what he's saying is that sort of making that as an absolute. And I would say, I well, one, um, this idea of unity when we don't understand the cause, when we don't understand what, like, what would we unite around? What is the thing that somehow... Um, is going to get everybody on board. What like I haven't really seen a list of things that I would agree to, <laughs> um, and 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 most of the things that most concern me aren't being discussed at all. Um, so this idea that we we should come together in this war, like it's an interesting thing. I you know Cliff sort of warned me off of using the idea of war and battle early on, and I think engagement. Um, is more helpful to me than, than that, because war does put a certain energy into the system in terms of the, you know, whatever the sentiment analysis that's out there. Um, and is it the only way? Because what I've come to understand um, over the course of these last years is that I do believe that they're like having a materialist framework, which this is really grounded in the materialism, like it's a materialist framework there is a war these are the people we're fighting we have no power the only power is if we all merge and that's that's slime mold that's the slime mold model um that is that the only way because i sort of feel like that if we frame it as an engagement and this engagement is going on for millennia probably right uh yin yang uh you know whatever these different powers like balance rebalancing and balancing um maybe this is happening beyond in an energetic realm beyond what we're sensing. And maybe all of this is sort of feeding into that, that space. And so if we consider that way, then actually we have a lot more options. I mean, I've often said, if we imagine this is just only happening in the material, yeah, it doesn't look great, I have to admit, right? It, it's not that it doesn't look great and I wanna throw away my values and things I think are important and inhabit somebody else's story. Um, I wouldn't do that, but I would admit, yeah. Um, from on the surface level, not so great. But I feel like a lot of this is about frequency. A lot of this is about the heart. A lot of this is about care. And that's happening in spaces that are beyond what we, most people who don't have expanded sensory uh, abilities, um, maybe be able to tap into all the time. But we know, like we we have faith, we have prayer, we have love, we have a connection to the natural world, to the divine. And life stands with life. I truly believe that. So um, am I offering you some guarantee that I can win this as being your general? Like, no, I'm not. I'm I'm, I'm nobody's general. I don't have any guarantees. But the way I see it is if we have a certain amount of time in the world, I would rather lean into uh, having clarity of understanding the game as best I understand it. Because I, I think a lot of these people are rushing in to have some sort of battle. They don't even know the terrain. They, they literally do not understand the terrain they're operating in. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to figure out the terrain in a very thoughtful way. Um, and, uh, Maybe it is energetics, right? Maybe it is clarity. Maybe it is a small number of people coming to be very clear about what this is and then engaging in the energetics in these other spaces to neutralize some of this stuff, right? Maybe it is uh, prince standing on your principles. Uh, what, if the, what if the overall game was, how can we get people to concede their innermost held values, their innermost held concerns to belong, you know, to a belong to a group, right? And um, you know, again, this sort of goes back to, we love the wonderful people in the movement, except for, uh, you know, when you attack something like that, you know, it's starting to feel like this candidacy has been lined up since the beginning, Um, you know, and then you you don't belong and then you're cast out. Um, So, you know, if there was something about learning to work together, I would be interested in like what that looked like. Um, To me, it actually would involve first and foremost, dealing with cybernetics and Web3 uh, and the internet of everything. That's like, because everything else falls underneath that, in my opinion, uh, the, the frequency and, uh, the decentralization and the digital identity towards the cybernetic human computation. Um, you know, I'm not hearing a lot of people talk about that and I'm not just saying like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, pout in the corner because I didn't get my way or whatever. I'm some, what did they say? Uh, what did she say? Oh, I'm just jealous for people who have more fame than you do. (laughs) Like, I mean, please, like that reflects very badly on his candidacy. If there are people who imagine themselves to be in his innermost circle, and that's what they're saying to people. Allison, like you just don't like him because he's, he's got more views than you. Oh, come on, please. That's, that's again, we're dealing in middle school childishness. Um, so, yeah, so if that's his takeaway, he's certainly entitled. But what I would say is like, we can choose our own adventure. Um, I think they'd like to sell you a Camelot adventure. Um, I think that these, this idea of these storybooks are, are quite interesting. And um, yeah, do you, w- one of the things I was saying is, is like, what's in your toolbox? Is your toolbox full of hammers? Because, or whatever, like is your toolbox full of hammers to pound on all of this stuff or is your toolbox full of salve? Is your toolbox full of song? Is your toolbox full of um, poems? Like what's in the toolbox, right? And because that, I think that, that's going to shape the nature of the engagement. Is what you bring into it, and 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 we do have choice. I I, I would I would disagree with Ian on his comment that we don't have choices. I would say that we definitely uh, do have choices. Uh, let me see where's the slime mold. Um, you know, and I would just say the more I've sort of gone through this um, the last few days, I feel like literally in the social media there's no shared reality anymore um you can come at people with uh you know primary source material very reasonable arguments and they literally cannot hear you um there are people out there who are trying to remake my like literally remake my identity and remake me into a character not the least like celia farber was just one of them but there's this woman uh you know, and I kind of feel again, I have compassion for her because she's yelling on Twitter and she's like, nobody's hearing me. All these people are asleep. Ah, oh, let me tell you how angry I am about Alison McDowell. Right. And, and her, her, you know, she she shared the thing with uh, the guy with the sigil and, um, you know, about the futures trading. And I think I have some very good points about this financial astrology and using you know, occulted symbolism uh, and, and the the idea of the sovereignty moving down into this token economy and how this all impacts Austin, where he's from, you know, and, and making some very, sharing some really good information. Um, but here she is saying, you know, I've never heard of this guy in my life ever. And he made the same mistake of daring to tell the truth about Allison McDowell with my exact words. Uh, and she shit on him for not bowing down to kiss the ring. So, essentially what he said, and he said very little about me personally, was that I was really smart. I was really detailed, but he, that I couldn't see the opportunities. I was too focused on the danger and not enough on the opportunities. But when you find out that he's a Bitcoin futures trader, like you'll understand why he's saying that. Um, so it's just very strange to see this like bowing down to kiss the ring. Like I'm not a bowing down to kiss the ring person. <laughs> like This is so silly. I mean it's like um you know and then she goes on I again she she's so upset. Like she she she, she was very unpleasant before. And then she sent me this email like, Oh, we're all tracking you. And I just cozied up to you in your private messages. And, you know, she, she did. And I offered her information. I was very open and generous. And she's like, you can't be real. You, um, no one could make this amount of material and, and like, like I'm lying, right? Like she's, these people are trying to steal my identity that I can't exist, right? That I I'm some fancy language programmer, (laughs) or whatever. And I'm just like James Giordano. And I'm saying only things that are negative and I'm just I'm nasty narcissist and whatever Um, she said I have so much more to say but I'll have to leave it I only hope people understand I'm not an agent (laughs) or whatever she said in her video I thank God I haven't seen it now I did do a video before, cause I'm like, listen woman, if you're gonna be nasty about me online, then don't turn around and use my material. Like that's kind of bad form to like slam somebody and then uplift their research, which I offer freely, right? Um, that's inconsistent. And I did sort of a whole video about how these platforms create this cognitive dissonance in people, because essentially what this seems to indicate to me is that someone is like spending an unnatural amount of time focused on me here, here's the only person she could get to take a bite. Uh, this person, Jackie, who's like literally sh- there, she's share like reposting things about bugs, eating bugs. But somehow I'm the negative one. Uh, this is Jackie. Geez, I read the comments on the link. Oh, she's still using her phony identity. I'm a mom from Philadelphia doing research for free. Seriously? Does she promote solutions? I've never seen solutions. Only humani- Only that I will like say humanity will be enslaved in digits. And um. Yeah, this is this woman, Jen. Hard to believe. More output than 10 people could in five years, but she's just a mom. I never even heard... one hint of a solution. I'm not sure what she's here for. I admire you for speaking out. Most are either fooled or scared of her wrath. Uh, Bravo, right? And so, so this idea, like what I'm saying is, like, I guess this is her. She's got a whole like photo dossier of my tweets. Um, You know, and I actually, I did look today and it's ridiculous because all this stuff, like I would say, yeah, maybe the tone was a little bit more intense than I would do today, but I don't have, I wasn't saying anything bad. Like I was saying what I knew from uh, the place of trying to help people. But, How is it that this woman like would start collecting sixty items in an album of me? Like that's really weird. (laughs) I mean, that's like you know. Unless this person like I don't know what her motivation. So she says she's not an agent. I'll take her. at a word for that. But if so, then you're building your character identity in antithesis to someone. In an unhealthy way, this is an unhealthy behavior. Um, and again, if you if you look at these tweets that she has, I'm talking about gamified education being a problem. I'm talking about UBI and neo banking being a problem. I'm talking about the targeting of young people and as opportunity youth will be a problem. Yeah, I stand by all those things. Here's someone who's like, oh, here's again putting words in my mouth. Are you saying so-and-so is controlled opposition? I'm like, I don't use that word. I don't, I mean, I don't think it's helpful. And then here's someone that she's, she's pulled a clip. So somehow this is supposed to, you know, be whatever, uh, from dark sage mystic Jungian soul. Um, it says, uh, let's see, the, uh, the internet of bio nano things, a derivation of IOT. She works with Phyllis. Philly Hibbard and Allison McDowell. And I don't even know who Philly Hibbard is. Um, Philly 852, who is counterintelligence. <laughs> and essentially what I was saying is like in her adventure, like in the adventure that, you know, her and I guess Monique Vauvan, who is the other subscriber, contributor to this, um, you know, stocky kind of Google screenshotty thing. Um, like the adventure that she has chosen is she's the hero. She's looking out for the scout. She's going to find, she's going to identify the baddies and like, I'm it, right? Like, it's not that I, you know, I I make quilts and I, you know, knit sweaters or whatever and I eat apples for lunch. Like, no, like somehow, you know, I'm some. She needs me to make me into a character, um, to make her own life interesting, right? And so, okay, it is what it is. Um, again, mostly if if you look her her recent tweets, she's like acknowledges she's shouting to the void. Literally, she's performing for the machine. She's she's turned herself into a character in her own adventure, and she's performing it for the machine. And nobody's really listening. And and that's what a lot of us are doing. And I would say, like, sometimes I I have to also be mindful of that myself. I'm not saying that I'm an like. Uh, that I, that doesn't hap- that couldn't happen to me or it's it's a slippery slope like we have to understand are we being ourselves or are we playing characters um, and i was talking to somebody yesterday and it's like oh like once you understand it's like you're a character and you want to make me a character and then we want to play in a larpy game that's based on this idea that we're both not really who we say we are and somehow there someone's going to win this game in this false reality And I think that that's just a really, um, you know, I I think being in these spaces has led people to, again, uh, this first person with the email met me, hosted me, thought I was great, said they were interested in the content, never paid any attention to it after that, decided to live in their own adventure, which was they've picked a different hero, and somehow I'm, you know, uh, you know causing disruption to that hero story and so they need to be like I'm so disappointed in you you're out of the club and why did we ever think you were any good um that's that's encouraging people to get into this um into this homogenous mold and where they can be steered because once we get ungrounded from reality once people are to the point that they need to try to make other people into a character and like I hope I didn't do that for Mr Humble I I I I wasn't trying to make him into a character. I could see it felt to me like he was turning himself into a character. Um, That his authenticity, that there's something much more complex to that individual than what he represented in that seven minutes. And that surely this dark view of the world is not something that he holds, that he is a more nuanced individual who has like care in his heart somewhere. <laughs> um, so anyway, I guess that's mostly what I wanted to talk about. Yeah, unity, uh, you know, if they know that what we're engaged with is sort of asymmetrical, it's an asymmetrical adversaries are the most challenging. Uh, The unexpected and the spread out. (laughs) Uh, They knew it in the American Revolution. They knew it when they went after the indigenous people. They knew it in, you know, Afghanistan, is that if you can have people spread out and acting with their own agency over, then that's, that's a challenge to deal with. If you can get everybody steering, if you can get everybody in a flock of birds, everybody in a school of fish, Everybody in a termite mound, you can manage them a lot better. And so, I would just suggest that as as the future, as we're moving forward, and you hear people demand unity, that you realize that that is a strategy tactic. Um, if you can get one movement confined to one thing, now Ian, in in his framing, you know, he believes that that's what we have to do in order to win. There's overpowering forces, and that we have to unite. But I would say, if Ian actually spent you know sometime looking at modern uh, military strategy they would realize that that unified front um that unified enemy is actually um what is desirable when you're looking for an opponent that's what you want you don't actually want the asymmetrical stuff and so yeah so maybe it's the goofy moms quilting um you know and uh, listening to uh, audiobooks about spiders and ant computers that are the real problem. And and I think maybe that's why I'm, I'm a, you know, attack. A, <laughs> people are paying attention over here. um, It's just it's really hard to get new ideas into people, like, because once they're in their own story, if you have something that you have to offer that's not in their storybook, uh, it's really hard to get them to actually take into in, new information into account. Um, mostly, people are looking for things that reinforce the narrative that they already understand. Um, so that's that's important. Um, it's it's really hard, I think, for people to try to put themselves in another person's place. Um, so that's we're thinking about um, the system feeds on bad energy. Um, what's in your toolbox, hammers or salves, and um, yeah, your your comments matter. Like in this idea, even in the, in the very specific sense of the, the uh, sentiment analysis, your comments matter. Your, your comments reflect back on you and they're putting energy into the system. So are, are the comments that people are making to um, advance a more nuanced and complex understanding of the situation? Or are they to reinforce already held storylines that may be driving us to a certain destination when we don't understand the game that we're in? So uh, anyway, that's that's my two cents for the day. Um, you know, again, Ian and SR and this person who sent me the email and even Jen, bless your heart. Um, you know, thanks for spurring some of these thoughts. Oh, and even Derek, yeah. <laughs> Derek, you know, he's gonna be with RFK Jr. at the hip there, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, you know, These are things that we should be thinking about. How are these platforms used? To what end? Uh, How do we engage with politics? How do we engage with other people? In my opinion, it's always preferable to sort of assert your thing from your perspective. From my perspective, I see this. From my perspective, I think this. Not in absolutes, and I'm not an absolute. I hopefully, the stuff I said in here isn't an absolute. Framing, um, you know, I, I I've learned that myself. I was very absolute. Like I'm still personally very absolute about the Web three technologies, and I really wish that more people like it's. It's very sad to me that you know. Again, when I when I suggested to the person who emailed, who's like, oh, you know, Robert F Kennedy Jr. He's against central bank digital currency. You know, I'm sure he'd like to talk to you. Maybe you know, and you know, maybe then I could join this stable of influencers. Let me see which which were the ones that that were listed. Um, this was. These are the ones that that were listed. Uh, uh, Vedana Shiva, Catherine Austin Fitz, James Corbett, and Whitney Webb, etc. So, like, if I, if I, maybe if I come in, in line, then I could, I could be part of the the stable, right? And I was like, well, or you know, when he's ready to understand Web three, you could direct him to my stuff, you know. And so, um, anyway, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Um, think, <laughs> try to be clear. Uh, try to be like. I think you can be clear and you can be direct and then you can have compassion for people and then maybe with all of those things that we can get through this labyrinth and intact. All right, bye everyone.